Happy Sabbath. All of us want our lives to matter. Do you agree? Nobody wants to waste their life. Nobody should waste their life. All of us want our life to count. For the next two weeks, we're going to explore how to make my life count, my life matter. So we're going to do a mini sermon series today and next Sabbath. We'll study Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 through 10 today. And next Sabbath, we'll study verses 10 through 14. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath and all the beautiful people here. Now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go through it verse by verse. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Here, Paul sets down what we might call the necessity of repetition. We're very familiar with this concept of learning. In order for us to remember or truly understand something important, repetition is the way to go. Apostle Paul is saying here that, I know I've told you this before, but for your sake, for your benefit, for your safety, I want to tell you this again. Sometimes you may feel like, wait a minute, I feel like Richard already said this. I remember this. You you may feel like, hey, I'm pretty sure he has used that story before. If you feel that way, it's because it's important, okay? You need to hear it again. It's for your benefit. We may enjoy the fancy things at times, but it is the fundamental things on which we stand. Preaching and teaching and studying the side issues may be attractive, but these have their place. But the fundamental truths can neither be spoken nor heard too often for the safety of our souls. So today I'm going to talk about something you already know. You may feel like, I've heard this before, but there's a reason why we're repeating this. Verses 2 and 3. Beware of dogs. Beware of evildoers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Apostle Paul is calling some people out. In order for us to understand verses 2 and 3, we have to understand the contextual background of what Paul has written here. It was a teaching of Paul that we're saved by grace alone, that salvation is the free gift of God, that we can never earn it, but can only humbly accept it 
by God through Jesus Christ. And further, that the offer of God is to all men of all nations and that none is excluded. But in the church of Philippi, there were people called Judaizers who insisted that, yes, we are saved by what God has offered us through Jesus, but if, you, if, you, if people wish to be saved still, you have to follow the laws. You have to be circumcised for sure because that's a sign between God and his people. So here, Paul makes a radical point. Calling circumcision mutilation to body and calling Judaizers dogs and evildoers. You know, when, uh, when Paul called them dogs, he didn't mean the cute dogs we all love and adore in our homes, Okay. He meant the mean and vicious animals that roamed around the streets. And this is interesting because in Hebrew thought, uh, the dog stands for everything that is shamelessly unclean. So the, the Hebrews, the Jews used to call Gentiles dogs all the time. There is a rabbinic saying, the nation of the world are like dogs. So they're saying, we are holy, we are good. Everyone else, they're unclean and they are dogs. So this is Paul kind of answering to the Judaizers. He's saying to them, in your proud self-righteousness, you call other people dogs, but it is you who are dogs because you shamelessly pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verses 4 through 7. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, and then he goes through the list, circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And then he says, verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Paul is insisting that it is the Christians, not the Jews, who are the truly circumcised. To make the matters worse, he says, oh, you think you're so holy because of where you come from and of the religious things you practice? Paul goes, guess what? I can do better than you. Not only that, I did better than you. This is actually... um, Uh, Biblical trash-talking, I think. Paul's trash-talking to Judaizers and other Jewish teachers. And then he says, number one, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Number two, I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Number four, 
I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, number five, concerning the law. I'm a Pharisee, number six, concerning zeal. I used to kill people for our church. Number seven, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law. I am faultless. I am blameless. He's saying, all that matter to you, I've had them all and I've done them all. Let's go through the things that Paul listed here because, church, this is really important, okay? So stay with me. Uh, All these religious things Apostle Paul listed, which the Jews valued and Jewish teachers cherished, Paul counts them loss, okay? All loss. He gives a list and then he says, all these things I have and I've done, I count them loss. Loss. So what are the things Apostle Paul counts as loss? So the first thing we see is actually is the family heritage. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. What does he mean by that? Who, who boasts about their circumcision? That's ridiculous, right? What Paul's talking about is family heritage. He's saying, I come from a great family. My parents practiced the laws. My my parents followed the religion. Oh, I come from a great family. From the beginning, from birth, he came from a thick and upright family. So that's what Paul's saying. And the second thing is of the stock of Israel. He means I'm a purebred Jew. By calling himself an Israelite, Paul stressed the absolute purity of his descendant, right? The chosen people that we are so proud of, I am it. I am the Hebrew of the Hebrews. I am the stock of Israel. So, family heritage. And the second thing is social status. He says, I am of the tribe of Benjamin and I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That is to say, He was not only just an Israelite, he belonged to the elite tribe. The tribe of Benjamin had a special place in the aristocracy of Israel. Benjamin was the child of Rachel, the well-loved wife of Jacob. And it was from the Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, the first king came out, King Saul came out of. And when, the, when the, the nations divided, the, the nation that stayed with God, the southern Judah was just Benjamites and the, the tribe of Judah. And when they came back from exile, the new kingdom, the new Israelites, mostly Benjamites and the tribe of Judah. So, The tribe of Benjamin had the place of honor in Israel. So Paul is stating that I'm from the the elite tribe of Benjamin. Okay, if you want to talk about where you come from, your social status, I have it. I'm it. I belong to the right family and I have the right social status. Third thing is biblical knowledge. Concerning the law, 
He says, I'm a Pharisee. People loved the word and knew the word, and that's how the Pharisees were viewed. These were the people who knew the law backwards and forwards. Everything was devoted to the law. They meditated them uh, day and night. They memorized them, and they followed them. Do you study the Bible? Paul says, well, I'm a Pharisee. He's saying, I was a champion of Bible Bowl three years in a row. You think you know the Bible? I do. You know, it's interesting because when I was little, I used to have nightmares. And in my dream, I would dream that Jesus would come back and he would line up every single person. And I would like line up and Jesus would go around every single person and says, Have you ever read the Bible from the beginning to the end at least once? And that would be the way Jesus would save people. You know what I mean? It's like if you read the Bible like at least one time through the whole Bible, then you are saved. I think it's because this whole thing about the importance of knowledge of the Bible, I used to have nightmares about this. You know what I mean? It's probably because I didn't want to do the memory verses. Fourth is religious activity. Concerning zeal, I used to persecute for the church. He's saying, you're talking about good deeds? You're you're talking about religious action? Are you talking about getting involved with the church? I used to travel around and kill people for my church, for my religion. I was that guy. I had a zeal. I was that guy who dedicated my life for my faith. Fifth, fifth thing is moral lifestyle. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, Paul says, blameless. Every single law, you name it, I kept it. Following the law, I I got it. Morally righteous, that's me. Faultless. All these things, all the things that you value and cherish, family heritage, social status, biblical knowledge, religious activity, moral lifestyle, all of this, I did it better than you. And then after that, Paul says, however, I count all of it loss. All this, Paul calls it a waste. Verses 8 and 9. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as what? What does the Bible say, everyone? Rubbish. Okay, did you notice that I used New King James Bible version today? I usually use NIV, but today I'm using New King James. Um, And there's a reason for it. I, I must pause here for a bit, okay? 
Everyone, circle and underline the word rubbish. New international, uh, new international version used the word garbage. But literally, are you ready for this? Literally, it means a word I cannot say from the pulpit. Okay, Sabbath, so I cannot say this word, okay? It's kind of vulgar word. The best, the best way to describe this word, um, I would say dirty diaper. If you have a King James Version, look at it. It actually says that word that I wouldn't say from the pulpit. I'm serious. It means excrement, right? All of the things we value and cherish in our religion, the things that we always count, the things that we count, Paul says, rubbish. They're all dirty diaper. Count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. The key concept here is not my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is from God by faith. Faith in Jesus. Yes, only faith in Jesus. But, church, here's the thing. Um, Family, heritage, social status, biblical knowledge, religious action, uh, moral lifestyle, all of them matter to us so much. Think about it. Hey, we know how these things work. Um, in order for you to get accepted to certain schools or certain programs, you know this. There is a criteria. There are qualifica- qualifications, right? You need to have uh, the right score, uh, right, right? You know what I'm talking about. You need to have a right score on MCAT. You need to have a right score on DAT, uh, LSAT, um, SDA, whatever, right? In order for you to get into the program or get into the schools, you need to meet the qualifications. We know this. Right GPA, right recommendations, volunteering for the right activities, There's like a checklist that we have to check every single one of them. At the end of the day, it's about what you know and what you have done. Isn't that right? But in God's kingdom, it's not what you know, but who you know. In Christianity, it's not what you have done, it's what Jesus has done. Paul has just said that he came to the conclusion that all of these qualifications are fleshly things, meaning human things, worldly things. Spiritual world does not work like that. 
God said, your thoughts are not my thoughts, nor your ways my ways. Okay, this is when somebody says, wait a minute, Richard, hold on. Is this me? Or um, do you realize that the things that Paul listed are all good things? You see that, right? Good family. Is that bad? When your kids want to get married, do you care about the in-laws, their family? Do, Do you care about them or not? You want them to come from a really good family. You want a really good family. Love and respect for family. Pride in your family. These are good things. Social status. Come on, your career, your education. Those are wonderful things, right? Biblical knowledge. Seriously? How is that bad? How about religious religious activity? Should I stop coming to church? Should I stop getting involved with the church? Should I not do anything? How about zeal for God's work? Moral lifestyle. Right? Me being a really good person. Me being a really good person. Isn't that good enough? Isn't that great? Isn't that important? Doesn't that count for something? Paul says, absolutely not. All of these things are good things. Now, I don't want anyone to freak out, church, okay? We're friends, right? I don't want anyone to freak out about what I'm going to say now. Listen, these are all good things, but Bad things were not keeping Paul from Jesus. Good things were keeping Paul from Jesus. Bad things were not keeping Paul from Jesus. Good things were keeping Paul from Jesus. This is huge. Friends, Even good things can make you lose Jesus. Paul is telling us, you can love your family, you can have great social status or career or reputation, you can know the word, love the word, even teach the word. On top of that, Not just attend church, but be involved in church and be a very good person. Good moral person. Doing wonderful things, good deeds. And still do not know Jesus. Not only that, if you look at those carefully, See what's in the center of it. Look at this. My family, my social status, my knowledge, 
my religious activities, my good deeds, and my good behaviors. Jesus is not in the center. I am in the center. People who do not know Jesus, it is easy for them to just put themselves, I, in the center of life. Paul saying, when as long as you are in the center of your life, your life is a waste. It's garbage. Rubbish. That would be a wasted life. If you're living for me and myself, my pride and my achievements, that life wouldn't count. Only treasure of the life is knowing Jesus Christ. The only treasure that truly counts in life is Jesus. Jesus is better than all of the good stuff, right? All of the good stuff in the world all piled up together. But still, the only treasure that counts in life is Christ. I know what the world teaches us. I know what our culture teaches us. I know even what we think and believe even in us, church life. You know the things that we value and we cherish. But Paul's saying, dude, these things, rubbish. That I may gain Christ and that I may know Christ. It means I need to die so that Christ can live in me. It's no longer that I live, but Christ lives in me. So we take everything, right? And everyone in our lives, then we put Jesus on top of everything and everyone. On top of all of it. Everything in life is garbage without Him. Everything, everyone. Then how do we do that? How do we gain Christ and know Christ? What does our life look like when we live for what truly counts? Well, come next weekend and find out. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you so much for all the souls here gathered here together to worship you. Lord, we put so much hard work and so much energy and so much time in the good things in this world. But Lord, what we're finding out today, what we learned today is that even the good things can take us away from Jesus. Lord, We want our lives to count. We want our lives to matter. We don't want our lives to 
go to waste. So Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us to have this personal relationship with Christ. Help us, Father, to make sure that Christianity is not a religion to us, but a relationship in Christ. Father, I pray that you guide the hearts of each and every one here. I don't know where they are in their spiritual life right now. I don't know if there's anyone here seeking God or they've already left God, but somehow they're here today. I don't know. But Lord, help us remember that things that we value, things that we cherish may not be that important, may not be that valuable. And the purpose that we have in life is actually to seek Christ, to meet Christ, to know Christ, to gain Christ. So Lord, be present in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to make sure that live a life, you live a life that counts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's time for offering now. Can we have the deacons come forward?